0: You're listening to the weekly podcast of Hope Community Church, where we desire to see people transformed by the love of Christ. Join us as we study God's Word together. Good to see you all. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving. So uh, today I have the privilege of starting this series of the gifts of Christmas. And uh, you'll see on the screen So we're going to talk about a few different things. In the coming weeks, we're going to talk about hope, joy, light, and peace. This week, I have the privilege of talking to you about promise and how promise, or specifically God's promise to us, how it's a gift to us. This is a really cool subject. And to to get started, um, we have to kind of talk about what a promise is, right? Well, we could very simply go to Webster's Dictionary. We could pull up the, the definition, and you can see it right up here, a declaration or assurance that one will do a particular thing or that a particular thing will happen. Really fancy terms for things that just says, I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do, right? So we make promises all the time. And so some of those promises are, are bigger and some of them are smaller, right? So a bigger one, maybe you've signed a mortgage and you're promising, I'm gonna pay the mortgage or a lease on a, on a piece of property or maybe you're gonna buy a car, purchase a car. You're promising to make the payment on that. There's other things that you might see promises in is just simple conversations and how we talk. So I promise, I, I'm, I'll be there at three o'clock today. Well, that is what you've said. You've made a promise that you're going to be there at 3 o'clock today. And so those are those things. Like uh, Douglas MacArthur, he was in charge of the, the uh, military down in the Philippines in World War II. And on March eleventh, 1942, they were being run out of the Philippines. Uh, they They were having to retreat and retreat and retreat until they finally had to board the ships and head on out. Before he left, though, Douglas MacArthur stands on the beach and says, I shall return. Big words when he's retreating. But he climbs in the boat and he leaves. Two and a half years later, the war was taking a turn and... We had retaken the Philippines. Douglas MacArthur stands on the beach and yells to the Philippine people and he says, people of the Philippines, I have returned. He kept his promise. So that's what we're talking about with a promise. It's it's linked to trust. So if I say something, you can trust that what I say is, is, is going to happen or there's validity to it. If you don't follow through with it, it takes away the trust. And a good example of that, um, this weekend we were out in Indiana with our family um, celebrating Thanksgiving. And we have two young kids. Uh, well, we have a 12-year-old and we have an 8-year-old. And my 8-year-old, she had a, too much sugar and too little sleep. Those of you with kids know exactly where I'm going to go with that. Things did not go well at one point. And so we were down uh, talking to her in our, in our room and uh, telling her, like, listen, you, you got to pull this thing together or else we're going to have to take some, some action. Well, in true kid fashion, she decided rather than get it together, she was going to take it to the next level. And so. Um, I had told her, I said, listen, if you don't, if you don't take this, you bring this together, we're going to have to do some time out for 30 minutes. Well, she took it to the next level. So I took her to the car and we took a drive. Because we're in a house full of family, I didn't figure that having a, well, you can imagine the situation. <laughs> so we got in the car. And we're driving, and about 15, 20 minutes later, she was perfectly calm. We were having a nice conversation. She said, Dad, why can't we just go back? Because you know the rest of our family's there, and she wanted to play. And, and I told her, I said, listen, honey, I told you 30 minutes. What would happen if I went back early? I, I wouldn't keep my word. This was what, what I said I was going to do. And so I'm going to follow through. And so we drove around. South Bend, which is a really beautiful town. If you ever get the chance to see Notre Dame, it's a beautiful campus. We drove around the campus and checked things out, but we had some quiet time for 30 minutes. Because if I didn't follow through, how good is my word? And so that's what we're talking about, and we're talking about promises. So in Scripture, there's always this question of, has God made any promises Those of you that have been in Sunday school and have done your your Scripture reading and stuff like that, you know that He has. In fact, He's made a lot of them. So, Isaiah 41 and 10, it's up here on the screen. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand multiple promises right there in that one single verse. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, another verse, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, you'd think maybe I just chose the two verses in the Bible that have a few promises in them. And that's not the case. Um, in an article written for Time magazine, Everett Storms, who was a school teacher in Kitchener, Ontario. Um, He was actually just a a student of the Word as well. And in his article, he talked about how he had gone through Scripture and he just specifically spent time looking for promises of God. And what he found was that there were over 7,000 promises that God made to man in particular. Now, there's more promises than that, but these are just promises from God to man. 7,000. So, I came upon, well, I mean, I didn't come upon, there's a couple of things on my bookshelf. This right here is called the, the Bible Promise Book. Uh, this was a gift, and uh, it's, we've had it for a long time, but it's filled with promises from God on just about any subject. There's humility, there's faith, enemies courage, there's lots of things in this book where the Bible promises certain things. There's so many promises. A a good friend of mine, he wrote a a study material, it's called The Promise Principle. And uh, they have used this uh, to lead Bible studies. And so the whole premise is, is they sit down as a group, and they open up Scripture, and they just start going through and they read take turns reading, and when they come upon a promise, they just stop, they accept the promise, they pray about it, and they just keep working their way through Scripture. It's so easy to find promises that you can basically pick up your Bible and just start reading through it at almost any point, and you can find promises of God. And that's what this whole thing is based on. So, the bottom line is, there are A lot of promises in Scripture. So you can find them all over the place. So next begs the question how often does God follow through on His promises? Now, again, if you've grown up in the church, the the Sunday school answer is God always comes through on His promises. But I thought, you know what? Rather than, rather than Just going with the Sunday School answer, I'm going to look and see if there's any other response to that. So I did something that I honestly wouldn't recommend because it it ends up being a little bit more of a struggle than you'd think. But you get out there on the internet and you just type in, you know, looking for people that, that's not what I typed, but I'm looking for people that think that God doesn't come through with His promises. Well, there are there's stuff out there. And um, most of it is not good stuff to be reading. Um, but as I was reading through them, I found out that there was they fall under one of three reasons why they feel like God doesn't come through with his promises. One, they misinterpret scripture. They take scripture and twist it, and they or they don't understand it. There's a lot of times there where um, a good example, actually, he, one of the places that I was at listed Genesis 2 and 26. Now, if you don't know what that is, this is when uh, God is instructing Adam in the, in the Garden of Eden and saying, listen, you can, you can have anything in the garden, anything, but you can't have the fruit of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay, you can have anything but that tree. And his assertion was that if, uh, it, well, God said that if you do, you will surely die. Well, his assertion was, well, God, Adam didn't immediately die, so that's not a. It's a promise that was missed. The problem is, is that he misunderstood what God was saying. He wasn't talking about that like dying immediately. There was a, a spiritual death that happened when he took that apple, or that apple, took that fruit. And he eventually, because of sin, he did physically die as well. But the bottom line is we can sometimes take that Scripture and we, we can just mess it up. And then it looks like there might be broken promises, but we just misunderstood it. Another thing that I found very commonly was a really distorted view of who God was. And so, um, the one person that I saw had this view of God of this tyrannical person, this tyrannical being, this um, angry, vengeful vengeful kind of being that um, literally would just squash us well, if that's your view of, of God, um, that's a really difficult and horrifying place to be in. And um, I took a class uh, earlier in my faith, um, and one of the things that they talked about was how we view God is sometimes shaped by how we view our earthly parents or earthly par- uh, father. So if you have a, a father that was... Um, uh, really, you know, oppressive. Well, then you could very easily link what your your earthly father was like with how God is, and it's very common. And so, if you sit down and think about some of the the ways you think about God, there is a possibility. Uh, and I've done that myself, where you link characteristics of people, father figures. Uh, parental figures, you link them to God. And a lot of times they're not really appropriate um, characteristics of God. So sometimes we do that. And then the last one, we've actually talked about this previously, uh, is sometimes we have a, um, our own expectations don't match up. And so uh, let me explain that. Um, our house, uh, a lot of you have walked this journey with us over the past uh, year and a half. And you know that when we first moved here, we had a house in Wadsworth. And I remember when we decided to make the, the turn to ministry, we, we, just, we had in our head that we're following God's plan, and so he's obviously just going to, the house is going to sell, we're gonna, it's going to be an amazing God story. Well, most of you know the story. That's not what happened. We had the joy of holding on to that house for a long time. And um, it it was a, a really difficult thing. And it would be very easy for me to say, God didn't come through with his promise. Because my expectations were wrong. The reality is, is that God was going to sell the house, but he had a totally different plan in play. You know, he wanted us to walk a different path with him, and that path was truly a remarkable path. I want to tell you that, and I think I shared that on a previous message. The path that he took us on, while painful, is something I would never give up. Because we saw things that God orchestrated that we would have never had the opportunity to see before. And so the bottom line is sometimes our expectations, our personal expectations, can make us think that God isn't faithful. When it's that's the farthest thing from the truth. The simple reality is God is always faithful. Always. Joshua chapter 21, verse 45 says, Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made, the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass, everything. Hebrews 10, 23, that was the Old Testament. This is now the New Testament. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promises is faithful. When God promises something, he is always faithful to follow through with it always. It's a wonderful gift that we, can, uh, that we get from God. Now, since we're talking about promises and since we're walking into the Christmas season, we've got this, uh, this series lined up as the gifts of Christmas. And the promise that we're talking about, there's a very specific promise that God made over and over again and over and over again in, in, uh, in Scripture. And the promise is actually that Jesus was coming. Will you read with me in a couple of places? We're going to go to Luke chapter 1. And Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now, this, what this is um, is Gabriel... Uh, speaking to Mary, okay? So, verse 26, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph in the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Let's go back a little bit, three chapters to Matthew, Matthew chapter 1, and just a couple of verses in Matthew. 21 through 23. Actually, we'll just read 21. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. So these are two prophecies, two promises that God made to two very specific people, one to Mary, one to Joseph. And you think to yourself, well, is that the only time? That God spoke or promised about Jesus. It's not. In fact, Isaiah um, talks a great deal about the coming of Jesus. Daniel eight and nine talks about the time of his birth. Micah five and two talks about that he'd be born in Bethlehem. Isaiah seven and 14, it talks about he'd be born of a virgin. Psalm 22 talked about the fact that he would be mocked and he would be pierced. In, um, I don't know the date, but Dr. J. Barton Payne, who was a former professor at the Covenant Theological Seminary, he listed some 574 verses that speak directly to the promise of of a coming king, or the promise of Jesus, the promise of a Messiah. 574. It's an incredible number. Now, I'd like to show you something. Let's talk about a promise. So I've got in my pocket here, I've got a penny. So you'll notice this penny right here has got a red mark. Some of you in the back probably can't see it, but there's a red mark on here. Now, we're going to say that this is my promise, all right? So, my promise is that I'm going to be at your place for dinner at 5 o'clock. That's my promise, okay? All right. What are we having, by the way? (laughs) 5 o'clock for dinner, okay? This is my promise. But in here, there are 49 other pennies. Now, each penny we're going to illustrate as things that are the things that can detract from my promise, okay? Maybe I got sick, traffic was really bad, so I missed it, had to work late, Um, just didn't feel like going out, Um, you name it, okay? These are all things that are working against my promise, okay? So I've got my promise in there, so now there's 50 pennies in here, all right? If I was to, um, I've said now that I'm going to be at your house at five o'clock, so now I'm going to blindfold myself, reach in here and grab the one single penny that's red marked, and that's the one that, that's actually going to happen, you have a one in 50 chance of that actually happening. So that's your odds, right? So all of the other pennies are working against you, trying to prove you wrong, right? So that's our odds. So, why am I talking about this? Well, there was a mathematician, a mathematics and astronomy professor, Peter Stoner, that did the math of the probability that Jesus would actually fulfill all the promises that happen in Scripture. And the numbers are amazing. So, If we just took eight, remember 574 prophecies, okay? We'll take 574 promises, but we're only gonna take eight of them. The odds of that actually coming true are one in 10 to the 17th power. That's a pretty big number. Um, If you were to play the Mega Millions lottery, your odds are about one in 350 million. Look at that number compared to what's up there, 107 or 10 to the 17th power. The number is unbelievable. Those are the odds that were stacked against the prophecies of Jesus coming true. If you just increase that to 16 prophecies, the number is 1 in 10 to the 45th power. I don't even know what to call that. What is it? large. Thank you. <laughs> That's an enormous odd. Odds right there. Incredible odds. Um, I had a hard time kind of thinking of those numbers. So uh, this, thankfully, uh, the, the mathematician that was, I was telling you about, he actually gave a visual aid. And so I'm going to try and help you with it. I like visual aids. Silver dollar. Okay. I marked it with red on the back. He said, let's take a silver dollar, and then we'll stack them. We'll just lay them out side by side, and we'll just continue laying them out until it fills the entire state of Texas. Then, we'll keep filling it until it's two and a half feet tall. Okay? So, two and a half feet tall, somewhere in there is this one with the red mark. I've blindfolded you. You get one shot to pull the red one out. That's the odds of eight prophecies coming true. Now, 16. What does 16 look like? Take a look at this picture. And when I first looked at it, I'm thinking a disc, right? Which is still huge. But this is actually a ball. It's a sphere. Thank you. I saw your mouth in it. It's a sphere. It's a, it's a ball. Somewhere in that ball is this silver dollar. And you have one shot to get it. That is the likelihood of only 16 prophecies coming true. I don't even want to... My brain can't even imagine what 574 would look like. Why is that important? the probability proves who Jesus was. The likelihood of Jesus fulfilling all of them, was, it was so stacked against him that him fulfilling all of those proves exactly who he was and why he came. If one, if only one of those prophecies wasn't fulfilled, the whole thing falls apart. That's how significant this is. I love the fact that God made it almost impossible for it to actually come true, and then he made it come true. Because there's only one answer. Jesus is who he said he was, and he came to do what he said he was going to do. That's an incredible thing. So, let's talk for a second about why this promise, why the promise of Jesus is such a gift to us? Well, there's a couple reasons. One, it's in His purpose. In Luke 19 and 10 it says that, "For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost." Who's the lost? I am. You are. We all are the lost. Every single one of us. Whether we know it or not, we are the lost. Whether we acknowledge it or not, we are the lost. A writer for the Moody uh, paper, Joseph Stoll, he talked about a time he took his son, or he took his whole family to the mall the day after Thanksgiving in Chicago. <laughs> I'm hearing the laughing, obviously not the greatest move on the planet. But he took his whole family. Well, they walked into the mall, they were walking around, they're doing their thing, and then they had this sudden realization that their youngest son, their five-year-old, was missing. So they had the, you know, like most parents, the terror of trying to find him, and they can't find him. They split up, they, they go all throughout the mall and uh, try and go find him. And he comes back to the meeting place, the, the father, he comes back, and he doesn't have him. The mother comes back, he doesn't have him. The, son, the other son comes back, he doesn't have him. And finally, the grandfather comes back and he's got the five-year-old in his hand and the 5 year old skipping and playing and everything's good. Everybody else is freaked out. So they ask, well, where was he? He goes, well, he was just standing in front of the candy counter, just like candy, you know. He had no idea that he was lost, but he was lost. That, that can be us. Whether we know we're lost or not, Makes no difference. We are lost. And so Jesus came for the lost, for me. One of the other reasons the gift, that this is a gift, the answer is in his suffering. Isaiah 53 actually is a, a prophetic uh, chapter where it's talking about Jesus. It's promising about Jesus. And hundreds of years before he died, this Uh, this psalm, or sorry, this uh, writing here talks about what he went through. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. On him was the chastisement or the uh, punishment that brought us peace, and with his wounds we're healed. His suffering is a gift. His death on the cross, when we visualize him on that cross, you can see him taking the punishment that I deserved for everything I've ever done and will do. He took it on himself. He took the punishment from man as they were cruel to him. He took the punishment from God his Father and he took it for me, and he took it for you. Friends, the, the reason that the promise of Jesus is a gift, another one, is in his victory. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Do you know why we can say that? Because Jesus rose from the death and dead, <laughs> He rose from the dead, conquering sin, conquering death, and sealing what he promised he was going to do. He sealed it, saying it's complete. You can fully trust in it. It's amazing that God did this. Final thing, why this is a gift, it's in your believing it. Romans 10 and 9, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Another promise. There was a man on death row, and um, he was on death row, and the president gave him a pardon. So the pardon came to the prison. And he said, the president's pardoned you. And he said, no, thanks. And it caused such an uproar. They're like, you can't reject a pardon. So they went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said, listen, a pardon is only good if you receive it. Friends, Jesus already paid the price. He knew about you and every sin you'd ever commit before the foundations of the earth were ever laid. He knew about you. He knew about me. And he still came. He set in in motion the plan to rescue you well before the earth even got built. That's amazing. It's such a beautiful gift. And all you have to do is receive it. We would love to give you the opportunity. If you have never accepted that gift, we'd love to give you that opportunity. Uh, I'll be hanging out after service. Pastor Joel will be around. We'd love to chat with you. If you've never accepted that, please take the opportunity to do that. If you have, this is that time of year with great joy We get to remember the promise that is fulfilled in Jesus. So I look forward to celebrating this month with you. Uh, Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the the chance to think about just how big of a deal it was that Jesus fulfilled all the promises, all the prophecies um, that were laid out in Scripture. Lord, thank you, for, just thank you for coming for us. We are so unworthy, and yet you came. Totally, uh, it's unthinkable. Lord, would you speak to our hearts in this coming month? Would you help us to uh, understand and grasp onto some of these promises and some of these gifts that you have prepared for us throughout this month? And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We pray that God will use this message to draw you deeper into a meaningful relationship with him. Hope Community Church is located in Olmstead Falls, Ohio. If you would like to find out more about our church, please visit us at hopeolmsted.org.